Dan Bongino. All the Sanders supporters love throwing bombs at me, and I throw them right back. I'm not here to pull any punches, right? The Dan Bongino Show. This is the great irony of conservatism. Even liberals win under conservatism. Get ready to hear the truth about America. Are you suggesting you're that stupid that other people can run your lives better than you can, even though the cost and quality of what they buy, quote, for you doesn't even matter to them? On a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Renegade Republican with Dan Bongino. Producer Joe, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing good. It's Friday, Dan. Yeah, man. Thanks for another great week of listenerships. A lot to talk about today. Let's get right to it. Today's show brought to your buddies at my Patriot Supply. You know I love these guys. Folks, preparedness, it matters. I keep my ammunition. I keep my guns. I'm not like a weirdo about it. I just think better to have them and not need them and need them and not have them. Okay. And I also keep an emergency supply of food. I keep the closet in the kitchen. I'll never call it a pantry stocked with food, but I also keep emergency food around. We ensure everything in our lives that matters. It's crazy not to get an emergency supply of food. Our friends at My Patriot Supply will give you a month's supply of high quality food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The stuff lasts 25 years, only needs water to prepare. It's not complicated at all. Tastes great, by the way. Uh, it's preparewithcr.com. Go to preparewithcr.com. Pick up a month's supply, 140 servings of emergency food available for just $99. That's it. What a small price for the financial and emotional security of having a food supply. God forbid something was to happen. You're going to need it. Stores away in a thin plastic box. You don't have to look at it again, hopefully, but God forbid you need it one day. Get yourself an emergency supply of food. Go to preparewithcr.com today. and Check it out. Okay, so I did a Fox News hit this morning, and yeah. I was talking about an issue very sensitive to my heart. Now, folks, before I – I want to just be be very careful here in my language because this is a very sensitive topic, understandably, with people, and I get it how there are a lot of emotions involved. I I don't like political labels, but you know people are in love with them, so I, I have to give you something. I consider myself a conservatarian. I think it was Dana Lash who you know coined the term, um, but – I, I, I'm a conservative with libertarian leanings in a number of areas. My libertarian leanings are a lot on, on, on some drug policy issues, on some foreign affairs issues, but I'm largely a conservative when it comes to economics, fair tax, flat taxation, that kind of thing. But what I am not for is for policies that don't work just because they make for good talking points. And I went on Fox this morning to discuss a new DOJ policy uh, by Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, which I support robustly, vigorously, proudly, loudly, whatever you want to say. Here's what happened. During the Obama years, there was an effort by the Eric Holder Justice Department in conjunction with Barack Obama. Believe me, this didn't happen like Holder just made it up out of thin air Mm -hmm. to discredit our justice system. And what they did is they would use two talking points to discredit the justice system at the federal level. Now, forget, I mean, I'm Besides their war on police at the local level, that's just, that's not what I'm talking about here. That's a separate fight, but a very real one nonetheless. Yeah. But at the federal level, Joe, there were two things they wanted to discuss always. They wanted to discuss what they called disparate impact and prison overcrowding. Now, let's address these things one by one and how Barack Obama and, and his uh, attorney general, Eric Holder, would put reason aside and focus exclusively on talking points to get you to think things were happening that weren't really happening. First thing they would say is they would say, well, disparate impact. What that meant to them is there are more minorities in prison or a greater population of the prison population is minority than makes up the general population. So these are not the actual numbers, but the example would be, let's say, you know, uh, 
uh, blacks are, I don't know, 15% of the population, and they were, say, 80% of the prison population, then they would say, look, black Americans are being discriminated against because there's a higher portion of black Americans in prison. Right. Well, folks, that's 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 a non sequitur. It doesn't make sense. Are you alleging that those black Americans in prison, which one shouldn't be in prison? Do you get what I'm saying, Joe? Like using collective data like that to show a disparate impact. In other words, the effect of the justice policies affected black Americans differently. Well, show me one of those people who happens to be in jail for the wrong reasons. And we'll, we'll all hear you out, but you can't make collective statements about individual cases. Right. It, it, it doesn't mean they do that for a reason that this is a typical liberal thing. It's, it's meant to engage you in an emotional conversation and emotional conversations, sadly tend to not be bound in reason. They're doing it now with Obamacare. They're sending all these people, Joe, to town halls with really granted, really horrible cases. We saw the Jimmy Kimmel case as well, although he wasn't at a town hall, but the mm-hmm. case about his kid. And, and these are horrible cases. People in town halls, my wife had cancer. I'm not in any way trying to diminish that. But folks, individual cases, we don't know the circumstances. You have no idea. How, why should we make a national policy based on an individual case when nobody, I mean, we don't have your medical records. Nobody knows what you did with your insurance. Did you buy insurance? Nobody has any idea. So making national criminal justice policy and saying, okay, we're going to do this because there's too many black Americans in prison without saying why they're in prison is insane. So what happened was they use that. And then the second issue, by the way, they would use just uh, to be clear on my two talking points is they would use prison over uh, overcrowding. Prisons are overcrowded and there are too many minorities in prison. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, prisons being overcrowded is another non sequitur because, as I said on Fox this morning on the hit, well, Joe, prisons are overcrowded with criminals. Right. You're not alleging, again, you're not telling me about who should and shouldn't be in prison. In other words, they're not saying Bobby Smith is in prison and he shouldn't be there. They're just saying, no, no, there's too many people in prison. Well, why are they in prison? Well, because they killed, raped, sold drugs beat up people, scam people. Okay, well, which ones do you want to let out? Um, No, no, it's overcrowded. You're ruining my talking point. Okay, so build more prisons. Right. We don't want to build more prisons. We needed a talking point. Now, the talking points for the left were those two things, disparate impact and prison overcrowding, because why? The why matters. I haven't said this in a while, right? We haven't used that in a while. Yeah. The, 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 the theme of our show, the Renegade Republican Podcast, has always been explaining the motivations of the left. Why would the left want to empty out prisons. Why? Well, they don't really want to empty out prisons. What the left wants to do is the left always needs to appeal to identity politics and racial animus because that's all they have. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't mentioned this in a while, but liberal, the party of JFK is dead. New liberal America understands that none of their policies have mainstream appeal. None of them, Joe. Because I, I know this because they never put their policies on any campaign sites. Their policies are raise taxes, take away people's health care and give it to the government, tell people where they can go to school. The, none of these none of these policies have any mainstream regulate and red tape people to death, grow the government. None of these have mainstream appeal. The left understands that. That's why you will never see a campaign sign that says, I'm going to raise your taxes, take your health care and tell your kid where to go to school. You never see it. Right. So what do they do? 
the left has won elections, not a lot. I mean, they're getting crushed at the national level, but they still hold seats and the Democrats still have mainstream party status because, Joe, they've sought a different strategy since the JFK, uh, the times of JFK. They've moved more towards identity politics, which requires them to label you and say you're are, you're black America, you're Hispanic America, you're union America, you're mm-hmm. gay America, you're transgender America. And by the way, the Republicans hate you and we will defend you. This is make no mistake, folks. I, I, I can't distill it down to any simpler of a point here for you to take out of this. The left's policy political strategy is strictly that isolate people into little boxes, black America, Hispanic America, gay America, union America, and make sure they know how much Republicans hate you. I mean, do you need any evidence of it? Just look at their campaign ads. Hannity, uh, the radio show, he has a great compilation that Jason put together over there of Democrat ads over like the past 20 years. They're, if you elect Republicans, they're going to burn black churches. I'm I'm mm-hmm. not. Joe, you've heard it, right? Yeah. You're on CBM. You carry the, Hannity. The you old, heard that comp- The old yeah. school was, it was divide and conquer, you know? Divide. Yes, exactly. Divide and conquer and divide people into groups right. that you can pin on them. Not they pin on themselves. Right. Now, you may say like, well, that's silly. Of course, they're going to pin that on themselves as being a black American or Hispanic American. No, they're not. <laughs> My wife is Hispanic. She knows she's Hispanic. She's Colombian. That's not how she identifies herself. When she triages her life and says, what do I need? What's important? Here's number one, mom. Number two, spouse. Number three, employee at the company she works for. You know, number four, member of the community in Palm City. Number five, member of uh, Holy Redeemer Church. You know what I'm saying, Joe? Like, yeah. The last thing she's worried about is identifying herself as a Hispanic. It's, it's, it's not what she does. The left wants that to be number one because then they want to say, look, and Republicans hate you. So. This they do it all the time. We had, uh, you know, remember the ads with um, when Medicare and Obamacare came about? They they had those ads with Paul Ryan pushing grandma off the cliff. That yes. was another identity mm-hmm. group. The other identity group was seniors. Republicans hate you too. The evidence is everywhere. You name a group, I will show you a strategy, a messaging strategy by Democrats and liberals to show that group how much Republicans hate them. And the idea is that the Democrats were going to defend them and therefore you should vote for us. Now, the strategy has been an abysmal failure. They've lost the presidency. They've lost the House. They've lost the Senate. They've yeah. lost governorships. They lost, by the way, the Omaha mayor's race last night. That was the race where Tom Perez, the DNC chair, came out and said because the Democrat running for the Omaha mayorship was not uh, a pro-abortion advocate that they shouldn't support him. Uh, or her, whatever. I don't remember if it was a man or woman, but it doesn't matter. Uh, so they didn't. And uh, the, the Republican won. So nice job. Thanks, Tom Perez, again. So these people are maniacs. There used to be a series of blue dog Democrats who were pro-life. That's They're not welcome anymore. They're only about identity politics. You are this and Republicans hate you. That is the <laughs> only strategy the Democrats have. Now, going back to how this ties into criminal justice reform, they needed a wedge issue on imprisonment, again, to make people believe that Republicans are going out there in in Bull Connor type fashion, which is ironic because those were all Democrats, those people. But that's <laughs> besides the point. Forget the history for a moment. And Republicans were going out there with bullhorns and and nightsticks. And these police were out of control and they were just randomly locking up minority Americans for crimes they didn't commit. Keep in mind, they can't point to any actual cases of this. That's why they use the collective data. You get what I'm saying, Joe? Sure do. They never go like, hey, look at Bobby Smith. He shouldn't be in jail. They go, no, no, no. Look at minority Americans. They shouldn't be in jail. Um, okay, we, well, which ones? Well, I don't know. All of them. 
I don't really know. You're ruining my entire talking point. So the Democrats seized on this issue under the Obama Holder administration, the Obama uh, regime, to say, look, these Republicans are putting you in jail. Every one of you hunting you down like dogs. Ladies and gentlemen, I hate to steal a line from Rush. Love him to death, but he always says, don't doubt me. <laughs> if I can footnote it, <laughs> credit Rush here. Don't doubt me on this. Do not doubt me. I'm tell- You are giving liberals and Democrats way too much credit if you think this is a hyperbolic statement. They wanted you to believe Republicans were these awful, you know, faux law and order guys who were really jackbooted thugs who were hunting down minorities to put them in jail. Keep in mind, again, although they can point to no systemic abuse at all, they just they just use random collective statistics that have no meaning outside of the individual cases. Again, which people shouldn't be in jail? Now, keep in mind, they never mentioned the fact, Joe, that the large minority population in jail has largely preyed upon people in minority communities. Mm-hmm. Joe, you 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 know Baltimore City well. Few oh, people sure know it like Joe. Joe's only been working in that market for like 800 years. It is a largely black and Hispanic city, largely mm-hmm. black, correct? Yeah. Now, there are tons of, believe me, tons of good people in Baltimore. That goes without saying. I shouldn't even have to say it, but given how dopey liberals are and to misconstrue everybody's words, I've done a lot of campaigning in Baltimore City. There are tons of good people over there. And those people are preyed upon routinely by criminals. I mean, literally preyed upon by wolves among them. Absolutely. Those people go to jail. But what does it matter that they're black or Hispanic or green or blue or what? what's the difference? If you're a black American in Baltimore City working your butt off and you're you're a plumber getting up at five in the morning with your work truck and you come out and a guy broke in your truck. Why should he be let out of jail? Because he's Hispanic or black. Oh, no, because there's too many blacks in jail. What? What, what are you talking about? So the point I was trying to make this morning on the show is that they got rid of. The Obama administration, as a, as a result of that talking point, Republicans are coming to get you all and put you all in jail, instituted this policy that basically scrapped the minimum uh, federal sentencing guidelines, okay? Hmm. So here's the Obama administration's MO. Let's target black Americans and Hispanic Americans and make these people think the Republicans hate them. Therefore, we can leverage the, you know, their votes in an election. Mm -hmm. So let's tell them that they're all being thrown in jail. And as a result of that, we're going to fix this. And what they did, Joe, this is the action item they did that I spoke about this morning. They threw out or distorted the minimum federal sentencing guidelines to the point that they were almost useless. Mm. Now, I was a federal agent, Joe. I have some experience with this. And what I said today is this is what happens when politicians and bureaucrats like Barack Obama and Eric Holder, who have little to no experience in the real world of law enforcement, stick themselves into law enforcement for a purely political gain. Again, to leverage the talking point that Republicans are coming after minorities, which is nonsense. The federal government, the way this works, or used to work before Obama, is as a result of you know the the out of control street crime, 60s, 70s, 80s, and in the 90s, there were a lot of policies implemented in the federal government to get criminals off the street show. And one of the things they did is they said, we're going to institute minimum federal sentencing guidelines. What that means is if Bobby Smith is arrested for 20 kilos of crack or whatever it is, and he hasn't, you go to jail for, let's say, 10 years, no matter what, Joe, are we clear on this? Yep. There was no 
judge, well, there was a little bit, and I'll get to that in a second, but there was very little discretion involved. Now, I get it how a lot of libertarian friends of mine might say, wow, well, that's really harsh. Should we be putting people in jail for, you know, what if they just made it? Listen, guys and ladies, I get it. But that's not how the system worked. Because I had a few people send me, one guy had a ban from my Facebook page, sent me a really nasty message. But keep in mind, a guy had no experience in law enforcement at all. But he's commenting on my page, like, you don't know what you're talking about. What are you suggesting? People should go to jail for smoking pot? Um, no. Did you ever listen to my show? Joe <laughs> and I have only talked about this, what, 500 times? Yeah. Folks, I get it. Low-level street offenders for simple possession, I've said a thousand times. I think we should make it a really expensive parking ticket, okay? Uh, it, it, matter of fact, that may be even more, <laughs> you know, right, Joe? Yeah. Rather than a night in jail, what if you said, no, no, it's a $700 ticket? I get it. I understand <laughs> yeah. our drug war has been largely ineffective, and we should target treatment a lot. But that doesn't mean we should throw out all of the, uh, every single drug law ever, and like we should start ma- all mainlining heroin tomorrow morning. The way it would work in the real world, folks, because, again, the, the Obama Justice Department's theory on this was, man, you'd get locked up for smoking a joint. You'd find yourself in federal prison for 50 years. No, no, no. Here's a dose of reality. Liberals, again, please tune out now. This is the fact portion of the show, the portion you're not interested in. Emotions done. When I was a Secret Service agent for over a decade using federal you know, statutes to prosecute criminals, you would get the low-level guy in. So let me just use an example that doesn't have so much emotion embedded in the drug war. Let's use an example of a credit card fraud case. No, even better, let's use counterfeit. When we unlocked people up for counterfeit, we would usually get the passer. In other words, the guy, let's say he goes into 7-Eleven with a counterfeit $100 bill, Joe. The way it would work is 7-Eleven would usually figure out from who? From the bank that they got a counterfeit 100 right? All right. Now, during the course of a day, it's very rare for you to get a $100 bill. <coughs> Excuse me. So 7-Eleven would go, oh, yeah, that guy. I remember him. Right. He came in and he bought a piece of bazooka gum. Remember bazooka? Five cents. Yeah. Remember those bazooka gums? Did you ever eat those? Yeah, I loved them, man. Like the comics, yeah, too. Yeah, man. The, the, that's right. They had the comics on the, on, on, the, on the wrappers. So the way it would work is if you have a $100 bill that's counterfeit, the, the typical pass would be you'd buy something really small and you'd get the change in real money. So you go in, you buy a bazooka gum for five cents and you get- you know, 99 plus dollars in real money back. So the guy at the 7-Eleven would go back, look at the tape and say, yeah, that guy came in at two o'clock. There he is. They'd give us the tape. We'd figure out relatively quickly who the guy was. Maybe they had a camera outside with a license plate. And then you go and you lock the guy up in a federal crime of possessing or passing counterfeit, Joe. Now you may say to yourself, here's the lip. This is where the liberal narrative stops. Again, the fact portion of the show proceeds now. Joe, nine out of 10 times. That guy was never prosecuted anyway. Hmm. So in the liberal world, he goes to jail for 100 years. And oh, my God, he did nothing wrong. He passed the counterfeit. <laughs> He's in jail. OK, that's not what really happened. Fact portion of the show continues again. Here's the way it really works. You lock him up and you he gets a lawyer. You lodge a federal complaint. There are three ways to lodge a PC document to get an arrest warrant for someone in the federal system. Three ways. OK. Three, one, two, three for the liberals. How to do that slowly. Okay. You can draw up a complaint. A complaint is a document that lays out, shockingly, for liberals, the probable cause. <laughs> and in turn, you go, you swear out that complaint, you get an arrest warrant, you go and arrest the guy for passing the counterfeit. Second way, you can go in front of a grand jury, you can have him indicted. The third way is through a process called an information, which is 
really just a glorified complaint. You either way, you have to prove probable cause that the guy in the Seven Eleven video, Joe, passed counterfeit. Okay, makes sense, right? Yeah. Now, explaining to you again the federal system when I worked there. The way it would typically work is we would rarely indict a guy like that because dropping an indictment and letting him go later on to use him, you know, like in other words, hey, we're going to drop the charges, but you're going to help us get the guy you got the counterfeit from. Makes sense? Yeah. yeah. Dropping an indictment is really difficult. It's possible, but it's hard. It's like an act of God to get rid of it. So we would rarely do that. You would just lodge a complaint and get an arrest warrant. Complaints are dismissed. Listen to me, folks, liberals. Okay, if you're still tuning in, even though this is the fact based portion of the show, complaints are dismissed. All the time happens every day all over the country. Why? Because you get the guy in an arrest warrant, you interview him. He confesses sometimes, sometimes they lawyer up. If they lawyer up, no problem. You talk to the lawyer, you go, listen, I got him. Here's the video. You want to watch it? You watch it with him. There's Bobby Smith passing the counterfeit. You, the lawyer's not dumb, Joe. (laughs) The lawyer goes, give me five minutes with my client. 99 out of a hundred times guy comes back in. What do you need to know? Who'd you get the counterfeit from? Okay, what do you do then? You call the United States attorney up. Mm, I don't know, maybe half the time, the United States attorney will be like, all right, you know what? We're going to dismiss the complaint against this guy and we're going to use him, use him to get the other guy. What do you do? You get the guy to call the the distributor of the counterfeit. You record the call. You get what I'm saying, Joe? Typical, yeah. you know, gumshoe investigative detective tactics. This is nothing new. I mean, this is nothing complicated. Now, to be clear on this, the complaint isn't always dismissed. But what happened in the old system before Obama threw the minimum sentencing guidelines out the window and screwed everybody is you could go to the lawyer, Joe. This is important for all the liberals out there. And you would say, hey, lawyer Jones, I got Bobby on tape. Here's the deal, brother. You and I both know what the minimum federal sentencing guideline is for passing counterfeit. Mm -hmm. This guy is going to get five years in jail. No discretion. There was very little judge discretion. So, Joe. If he went to jail and you had him on video, he was going for five years. Mm -hmm. Well, Obama threw that out, even though the chances of Bobby going to jail at all, Joe, were pretty much slim to none because they would dismiss the complaint (laughs) or built into the federal sentencing guidelines was a point system. So if you racked up a certain amount of points, you could get some time off the sentence. So for the people and if I'm if I get confusing, stop me. One, say, let's just use, uh, to be fair, half of the people say the complaint was dismissed and we would use them as cooperators, right, to get the big fish, right? Uh, yeah. The other half, if say they passed a lot of counterfeit, you don't want to let them go completely. So what would happen? With those people, there's a point system. So if you racked up, say, 10 points, you could get time off the sentence. And how did you get points? You got points like one point for acknowledging responsibility. Two points for substantial cooperation. Hmm. You get what I'm saying, Joe? So yeah. you could go to the judge and say, well, the prosecutor would do it and say, judge, you know, we're, we're going to give this person whatever, four points for cooperating to help us get the big fish. What the left doesn't understand is that's what happened in the real world. Saying that the guy, Bobby, got locked up for $100 in counterfeit, went to jail for 7,000 years. You're just making it up. You don't understand. when You use that stupid talking point to wipe away the sentencing guidelines. So now what happened, Joe, in the real world? And talk to your federal agent friends if you dispute any of what I'm telling you. In the real world, they'd go up to the guy who passed the counterfeit and say, hey, we got you on tape passing the counterfeit. You know what the lawyer would say? Mm-hmm. Mm, you, brother. And it starts with a, I have a lot of kids listening to the show, but 
blank you, guy. Because you know what the lawyer knew? The lawyer knew you were never going to be charged because Obama wiped all of that stuff out through Holder. Hmm. There was no way. There were no minimums. They were still in effect, but what they would do, Joe, when drug cases where this was prominent, is they would tell, they instructed the assistant United States attorneys to not include the amount of drugs, or in this case, a corollary, the amount of counterfeit passed. Hmm. Now you may say, well, why would they do that? Because the mandatory sentences were tied to the amount of counterfeit or the amount of drugs. Hmm. You get what I'm saying? So if Bobby Smith got caught passing a thousand pounds of selling a thousand pounds of crack. Yeah. Bobby Smith was going for 20 years. But if you leave that out and that minimum sentence is thousand pounds of crack, 20 years, all of a sudden Bobby's only subjected to let's say six months. Okay. It was genius. It was a genius scam. Now Sessions said, no, 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 daddy. Oh, that's not the way we're going to rock and roll here. What you're going to do is you're going to stick those amounts back in there. And now now you can go back, thankfully, as a federal agent and say to the lawyer, hey, man, your guy's seriously looking at 20 years. No, no. The, and, and they got lawyers probably going to say, wait, wait, but Barack Obama said there's no more minimum sentencing guidelines. He doesn't have to go to jail for 20. No, no. The new AG said there is. So you see how in the real world things work differently than in the liberal world? <laughs> it's just never the same. I got one more <laughs> quick story about this. But hey, before I get to that, have you signed up for CRTV yet? In case you missed the news, the Dan Bongino show is coming very soon. I did a little thing with Steve Dace yesterday on Steve Dace's show on CRTV, but we don't only have that. We have Mark Levin's show. We have people binge watching Michelle Malkin's unbelievable show. It's like a conservative 60 minute stories, deep dive stories you're not going to find anywhere. And every night we got a flagship show, Mark Levin on Levin TV, which is absolutely terrific. It's like a PhD course in constitutional conservatism. You have no idea what you're missing out if you're missing these shows. All of this, in addition to Steve Crowder's show and my show, coming up as well. You can keep this up in your laptop. There's no reason to even tune in the TV. Keep it up in your laptop. Refresh the screens. Watch the shows. They're just amazing. I did a little hit on Steve Dace's show yesterday. And there's also a preview of my uh, what my show is going to look like in an interview I did with Austin Goolsby, where we went back and forth kind of shredding each other in a, in a nice way on tax policy. I think you'll really like it. Go to CRTV.com. Use promo code Bongino. Make us look good, please. They gave me a specific promo code for a reason. <laughs> so use promo code Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O. Get $10 off. The whole cost of the programs, of the of all the programming, is about $7 a month, 8 bucks a month. I mean, it's like the cost of a turkey sandwich in a New York deli, probably even less. And you get all of that programming. So go to CRTV.com, put in promo code Bongino today. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. All right, here, one more angle on this. And, you know, I don't usually get too heavy with the criminal justice stories, but I think this is important because, again, I think it sums up how liberals live in a world that just doesn't exist. All they have to do is say something. Republicans are putting black people in jail and Hispanic people in jail, and people buy it because they don't do the homework. Like, well, who? Who's in jail that shouldn't be? Okay, no one. But another thing that bothers me about this is this oh, prisons are overcrowded argument. <laughs> again, prisons are overcrowded with criminals. If you know someone who should be let out, then go get a lawyer and appeal the case. But that's not happening. I mean, it, uh, uh, Paula came in this morning and she brought up an interesting story. I was telling her about my really well, kind of a sad story. She say interesting, but I thought it'd be interesting for the audience. She's like, you should tell them about what happened to us. And I said, you know what? That's right. Maybe they should let, you know, this is an example of how overcrowded prisons, when we don't build new prisons, but we just seek to let people out. This is how it affected me. You know, a while back, I'd known Joe at the time, but I we, we weren't doing the podcast. I was living in Severna Park, Maryland, and I woke up one morning 
and I had my, at the time, I think she was two, my daughter, I go downstairs, it was about 6.30 in the morning, and it's freezing in my house, it was winter. And I was like, what the hell? And I look, and the door's open to my kitchen. This is a true story, it's not a joke, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how is the door open in my kitchen? Because the door in my kitchen, Joe, had one of those spring hinges where it automatically closes, no matter mm. what. Yeah. And the first thing that came to my mind was, there's someone standing by the door. How did they get in my house? I didn't know what to do because I had my daughter. So I, I forget exactly. I think I put my daughter down on the ground, like ran over to the door thinking, all right, I'm going to have to surprise this guy. And like, that's it. Like, it's just go time, you know? And there wasn't anybody there. There was a shoe, one of my shoes. And my garage door was open. And I was like, damn it. And it was crazy because when I walked downstairs, you know, when you were in that morning fog, I didn't even bother to look around. Right. So I turned around to look around and all my stuff was gone. They broke into my house while we were home. I don't know if I've ever told this story. I might have, I may not have. Um, it happened a long time ago. But it was a devastating moment. I mean, the, the sanctity of my home was just broken and you can never, ever get that back. I mean, we just had a really, really tough time after that. But where the story gets bizarre is they stole my wife's computer and my wife is like, a genius with computers. I mean it. She's like so savvy with computers. Even computer people are like, man, your wife's really smart. Yeah, she is. <laughs> so yeah, Joe knows, right? Mm-hmm. She's helped yeah. us with so much stuff. So uh, a lot of times we screw stuff up and she's like, look at you dope. She just do it this way, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. Hasn't she done it a few times? But she says, they stole the computer. She goes, but I have this thing on automatic backup with whatever it was. I don't. I can't even explain what she did, but it was, it was connected through the cloud to an automatic backup thing. So she goes, you watch. She goes, I'll bet these idiots do something on a computer. So keep in mind, and no disrespect to the Anne Arundel County PD, but you know they did their best. They, I think they did the, you know, the latent prints where they try to get fingerprints. But you know, you're not really a huge priority for them, even though it was a home home breaking. Right. So my wife's like, I'm going to do the detective work here. She turns the computer on, and sure enough, these dopes, these two idiots, what did they do? They started like Skyping and taking pictures of themselves on the computer, which were promptly downloaded to the computer my wife had at the house (laughs) through the automatic backup. She's like, look at these idiots. Listen, no one's going to accuse criminals of having any brains. Here's the point of the story. My wife did a lot of detective work for the police department. She gave them pictures. She gave them an IP address. She gave them everything. And to their credit, they went and found the guys and arrested them. You know what happened to them? Hmm. Nothing. Wow. Despite an extensive laundry list of other crimes, Zippo, because even though I had a big public profile at the time in Maryland, they, they the, the detectives who were not really nice and very professional, but very were brutally honest. They were like, hey, brother, they, these things aren't taken seriously. The justice system here is basically too clogged up with cases. I was like, you're kidding. You're you're absolutely you must be kidding me. We have this guy hook, line and sinker. He should be in jail for five years, 10 years minimum for a break in while people were home. And you know what happened to him? Zip. I think he pled to, I don't even know what he pled to, like felonious mopery in the umpteenth degree. They gave him like a $25 <laughs> ticket and told him have a nice day. Oh, probably compensated him for the time. Folks, that's what happens when you get a justice system focused on liberal priorities and not your priorities. I, I get it. I understand for my libertarian friends the consequences of a prolonged drug war that's shown little results. I get it. I understand that. But insinuating somehow that we should empty out our prisons because there's a crowding problem as if we care about like the, you know, oh, it's crowded. Oh, it's two to a cell. Is that uncomfortable? What would you like? Would you like a Snuggie? You want a massage? You want us to deliver Papa John's, you dopes? Folks, the priority is us and our safety first. 
And you know what the, you, you, the solution to this problem is? Not to empty out the prisons or empty out the courtrooms or not prosecute people. The solution is to spend some of the billions of dollars we waste with our overly bloated federal government and start hiring more prosecutors, start building more courtrooms. And you know what? Start building more prisons. Build a mega prison in an area. You commit a crime in the United States, you damn well better go to jail. And I don't care what percentage of the population goes to jail if that percentage of the population is preying on the rest of us like we're a bunch of damn sheep. It's inexcusable, and you don't have to be some diehard law and order guy to understand that we should be entitled to a safe and secure environment, effective policing, and effective prosecution of the the animals amongst us when they prey on us. It's inexcusable. All right, I wanted to get to a couple other stories, blue slips, the Obamacare thing, but we'll have to get to some of it next week. But I appreciate you all tuning in, folks. Thanks for a great week of listenership. Talk to you all next week. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.